book is so awesome. I can do anything. This book is so awesome. I am the potions king. Did you hear that half blood prince? I said I was the king. Can you hear me, Professor Snape? I can make anything. This book is so awesome. Hi, my name is Joel Watson. And you're listening to Potter and Daughter, the Harry Potter podcast, where I talk to my seven-year-old daughter as she reads through the Harry Potter book series. Hi, Lily. How are you doing? Good. Now, where we left off uh, was on chapter nine of book four, uh, The Dark Mark. And, well, book four is called what? The Goblet of Fire. The Goblet of Fire. Chapter nine was The Dark Mark. Uh, Harry and his friends were at the Quidditch World Cup. There were some Death Eaters. Somebody cast the mark of Voldemort, the dark mark in the sky. Seems like a bunch of bad stuff is about to happen. The uh, house elf Winky was implicated as the caster of the dark mark, but she had Harry's wand. So some people think Harry's involved. So much happening before the year starts. Yeah, the one thing I can't believe is that all of this is happening. And he hasn't even gone to school. Like, yeah, get, get to school before you try and kill me. Come yeah. on. <laughs> like, the past three years, there have been something trying to kill everyone in the school, but him specifically. <laughs> <laughs> and at least they were all when he had gotten to school. Yeah, at least he's got some, some safety around him. I mean, maybe. And some friends. Yeah, maybe. And we had friends there, well, too. But yeah, so, but, you know. It's a lot. So we're starting with Chapter 10, Mayhem at the Mystery. And uh, so everybody is uh, still at the campgrounds for the Quidditch World Cup. They get some sleep and they head home. They catch a port key, and we know that a port key is what? It's like sort of an, like a um, black hole sort of thing. Kind of, kind of like a wormhole. Yeah, um, and it ends up. And then you end up at a different port key um, at the place you want to go. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an enchanted element that, when touched, transports you. And so they take one home, and uh, Mrs. Weasley is waiting for them. She's, she's in a huff because she's read, uh, already read about what happened in the Daily Prophet. So they've yeah. already reported about it and put a newspaper out. Yeah, the Daily Prophet... Um, is like super, super quick. Yeah, they, they obviously employ magic to get that paper out on time because... Obviously. It, it seems like it was out within a few hours. Also, and, and of course, this is the characterization of the papers from the movies, but I think it's pretty true to the books. Uh, what makes their newspapers unique? The pictures move. Yeah, the pictures are like little videos. Sort of. So it's like every piece of paper is kind of like an iPad. Yeah. Um, I saw... One newspaper in book in um later in the movie, and it was like a video that you would see on YouTube, and you were just playing it over and over again. Yeah. So now, and this is something you're not familiar with, but there are video services that loop videos, just sort of the same five or ten seconds over and over and over, and it's it's very similar to that, like uh, hmm. Instagram or Vine. So anyway. Uh, Percy's got a, he's got the paper, I believe, and they see a very negative article focused on the ministry and their handling of the World Cup. Who is it written by? Is it Rita Skeeter? It is Rita Skeeter. 
Isn't this the first time we hear of her in this book? I believe so. This is the introduction of the idea of Rita Skeeter. Uh, Percy says it's not the first time that she's written bad things about the ministry, that she's... uh, She's sort of negative against everybody but herself. And there's a reason for that um, that that has a lot to do with real-world newspaper and magazine and online journalism, and it's the idea that people like to read negative things more than they like to read happy things. Do they? Uh, Historically, yes. Um, Maybe it's not the best thing for people to do, but it does work. Maybe they just like to hear a bunch of stuff that other people think is bad about other people. They like to have reasons to get angry and... Like Yeah, it's hard to explain. And to shout their opinions at other people and and reasons to feel like things are going wrong uh, because it gives them a reason to feel important, maybe, or it gives them a reason to feel like their opinions are important. Also, people seem to feel like... uh, I don't know. They almost feel better when they feel bad. That's weird. It's really weird. And speaking of um, Rita Skeeter and her writing bad stuff, mm-hmm. um, like in the, one of the books that I have of the Hogwarts Library thing, I think it's Quidditch Through the Ages. Sure. It says that Rita Skeeter made a comment. She, um, she said... I've read worse. Yeah, yeah. And so obviously she's she's familiar with negative comments and that's a whole other thing to talk about. So so she's she's involved in sort of extremist journalism and inflammatory journalism, getting people upset about things or giving people gossip. Um so she's maybe not the uh you know, best person to have around dealing with your business and whatnot. So um Harry tells Ron and Hermione that his scar hurt uh, a short while ago, and he also tells them about Professor Trelawney's prediction. Uh, And in the next few days, Percy's complaining that people are sending howlers complaining about the World Cup security and wanting money back for their tents that got smashed and their, you know, other property they might have had at the World Cup, um, which, you know, seems like relevant Problems. If you're going out to have a good time and these Death Eaters show up and ruin everything, smash everything and burn your tent down and I don't know. Kill people. I don't think anyone dies. Try and kill people. That's what I mean. For all their, you know, blustering and and showmanship, the Death Eaters haven't really started doing anything. Badish. It's bad, but it's not bad. They haven't killed anybody. Not terrible bad. I think they're more about getting uh, the fear going than the actual murders at this point. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but people are people are you know wizards are upset that they uh, that they uh, you know they're getting their stuff smashed. Mungdungus Fletcher is mentioned maybe for the first time uh, that he wants his uh, wants to be paid back for his tent. Do you know who Mundungus Fletcher is? No, I might have read read his name before, but I don't know much about Let's him. Let's see. You've only read through book four, so I, you probably don't know much about Dung yet. He's a, he's a character that'll come up a lot more. Oh, I get it. Mundung. Yeah, they call him Dung. Um, and Mrs. Weasley's working late. 
Hermione's reading her books. Uh, she's studying. Um, this is an interesting scene in the book because everyone in the Weasley house is sort of doing the things they do the most all at once. Uh, Fred and George are kind of plotting and scheming. Like inventing new terrible candy or something. Yeah. And, Weasley's and wizard Weasley. Hermione is uh, studying and uh, I think maybe Harry and Ron are talking about Quidditch or something. Something like that. Uh, Ginny is repairing a book that's damaged. Can you can you imagine why she might be doing that? Because it might. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Well, does Ginny buy new books for school? No. She buys used books, right? Oh, that's right. Second hand. So perhaps Maybe. she's repairing her book because they bought her a book, but it was like already damaged. Maybe it needs some pages taped up or something like that, right? Maybe the spine glued on. Yeah, exactly. And so it's telling you something about the Weasleys. Um, and this is, you know, kind of like us too. Whenever we uh, have something that's broken or damaged that can be fixed, we fix it. And we certainly buy used books, and we buy uh, all kinds of stuff secondhand when it's stuff that, especially like shoes for you, when yeah. you're going to grow out of them in three months. And, and <laughs> yeah, we buy a um, bunch of books at half-price books. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, it's more about showing but, that uh, they appreciate things, even the, if they're not brand new, spanking, sparkly. You know? Yeah, but like like the Malfoys. And also at half price books, um, the books aren't all damaged. They might be a little bit bent some of the pages. You know, and speaking of half price but, books, uh, it's hard to find Harry Potter books there. Yes, it is. Because <laughs> people want them so bad. Unless they're unless they're not like twenty dollars just for a hardcover book. Yeah, the hardcovers are easier to find, uh, and they're just not as convenient to tote around in your backpack and whatnot. And your book, your backpack usually has. A hundred books. A hundred books and at least one Harry Potter book. So uh, an interesting side note for this chapter is that it mentions Mrs. Weasley's magic clock, which no longer tells things like it never you're late. Now it tells where people are or sort of what condition they're in. Yes, like I remember. Dad's like, at work. Uh, tea time or something. Well, no, that's what it used to do. Oh. They they actually change it and don't explain it. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, that maybe she got a new clock, or maybe she changed the enchantment on it. In danger. That's something yes, I remember. Exactly. Or maybe the writer just forgot what she wrote before and changed <laughs> it because it made made more sense for the story. Yeah. It which does. is something you're allowed to do as long as you're not too too like, horrible with it. Changing it up too much, like but, um, like. Changing the clock into a bird or something. Now, what's interesting, too, I want to point out is that, like I mentioned iPads earlier, when these books were written in the 90s, uh, mid to late 90s, um, there are a lot of things that are considered impossibly magical uh, that we actually have now because of technology. Like, for instance, I read most of my news either on a laptop computer or on an iPad. And most of the stories I read come with video of some kind. So it's like having a newspaper with moving pictures, right? Is it really? It is. I get my news and I get video and I get sound all at the same time. And when they were writing, when, when J.K. Rowling was writing these books, that was not common. Uh, even though people were st already starting to get news on the Internet, 
uh, streaming video wasn't as easy back then and fast internet connections were not common. So uh, it, it seemed more impossible than it is now to have something like that. And for instance, um, you have a watch that gives me your GPS location. So I kind of have like Mrs. Weasley's clock that uh, says where you are. Like your watch will tell me that you've left home. Except you have your phone with you the whole time. Yeah, I mean, it's not magic, but it's it's it functions the same way. So like my phone will tell me you've left home. It'll tell me you've gotten to school. Yeah, but it only tells you that like 10 minutes after I've done that thing. <laughs> well, that's maybe something that they couldn't have even imagined back when these books were written that might not seem so magical now. So that's just something to keep in mind that there are some things, uh, a lot's changed in the years since these books came out. Chapter 11, Aboard the Hogwarts Express. Uh, the day after at the borough, Mrs. Weasley tells Mr. Weasley he has an urgent message from the ministry, um, and they I think they have to go down there is the deal. Um, people from the improper use of magic office were heading to the scene. Mr. Weasley asks what Mad-Eye said. This is the first mention of Mad-Eye. Uh, he asked what Mad-Eye said happened, and Amos tells him... Actually, um, I don't think this is the first time. I think they might have um, mentioned him in the introduction or something. Oh, okay. Well, then Amos tells him that Mad-Eye caught some intruders at his house. Uh, so something, yeah, I, I guess there was some sort of scuffle at Mad-Eye Moody's house. We don't really yet know who Mad-Eye Moody is. And uh, Bill explains to Harry that Mad-Eye Moody is an old friend of Dumbledore's and that he used to work as an or. What's an or? I don't know. You don't know? No. Are you sure? Yes. Hmm. This might be the one and only time you've heard about ors yet. You'll hear more about them later. An or is a dark wizard hunter, a dark wizard catcher. They're like the super detectives of the wizarding police. Sort of like Superman. Mm, more like Batman. I'm being funny. Well, it's a lot more like Batman if you're whatever making that analogy. But they're more like detectives. And so they track down super bad wizards, put him in jail, send him to Azkaban. But when he was doing that, do you think somebody who fought against all the bad guys would be popular with people that followed Voldemort? Or do you think that he would have a lot of enemies? Uh, I don't really understand what you said. Well, he spent his whole career tracking down evil wizards. Most evil wizards were in league with Voldemort. So do you think that people that are like still Death Eaters would like Moody? Or do you think they'd want to kill him? Well, right now, since he's sort of a bad guy, um... Since who's sort of a bad guy? Mad-Eye. I'm not referring to that thing. He's not sort of a bad guy. He's a good guy. Oh, well, then if he's a good guy right now, then he would probably have a lot of enemies. He does have a lot of enemies, correct. And uh, I guess he's a former or so maybe he's retired at this point. I'm not 100% sure. But they say that because so many people are after him, he's paranoid. Do you know what paranoid means? No. It means you think everyone's out to get you. You think that there's danger around every corner. You think you can't trust people, which that sounds like Mad-Eye, right? Mm-hmm. He's kind of, kind of freaked out all the time, which we'll learn as we uh, meet him better later. So anyway, they all head to King's Cross. 
Um, the taxi drivers are certainly put out because what do wizards have to bring with them when they head off to Hogwarts? Is it just a couple of suitcases? No, like at least at least uh, ten for each kid. They got a ton of suitcases. They got trunks. They've got owls. Yeah, don't forget. I was about to say, don't forget all their um, animal things. They got owls and rats and cats. Yeah, I was about to say cats. All kind of stuff. Uh, plus, rats. Fred and George typically bring things that are Bad. not like, necessarily sanctioned for school. Yeah, so they probably have like two extra suitcases. They've got something very cool that actually goes off in the in the. Uh, Movie. In the uh, taxi. Do you remember what happens in the taxi? Some of their no-heat fireworks go off, which is a pretty cool idea because that means they won't burn you if they're, like, right in your face, but they'll still look pretty. Mm. I wouldn't mind some of those. Neither would I. I got burned pretty bad the last time we did fireworks. Did you? You probably don't remember. The last time we did fireworks when I was, like, five or six. Yes. And so they head to the Hogwarts Express. They pop through platform nine and three quarters and uh, get to their compartment. And they hear Draco Malfoy talking uh, that his father had considered sending him to a different school. Do you remember what school it was? I think it was. Was it the school that starts with B? I can't remember. Durmstrang. 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 He said my father was going to send me a Durmstrang. Uh, and that Hermione explains that Durmstrang is a another wizarding school, but they have an emphasis on the dark arts. Emphasis? Emphasis means uh, they focus on the dark, arts. the dark arts, which I guess that means they're teaching the dark arts there. Of course they are. It's never, it's never clear to me uh, throughout all these books that the wizarding world sort of doesn't necessarily fall on one side or the other of uh, whether or not evil should be taught <laughs> because you've got like, you've got Slytherin house, you've got Durmstrang. Um, we, we'll learn more about who runs Durmstrang later. And, and it seems like people might be okay. If, if they're kind of a dark family, they're okay sending their kids to a dark school, you know? Yeah, but they still need to be taught. Yeah. But do they need to be taught how to do evil? Well, no, that's what I'm saying. It, it seems like there's no, some of the dark arts isn't that harmful. Like, they actually protect you, but some of the dark arts spells are super, super dangerous. That yeah, so you got to draw a line somewhere. It do. seems like there's no wizarding board of education. Is my point? There's no, uh, there's no regulations for for what gets taught and how and who. So anywho, um, so they're learning you're about. Say, you're saying who too much. So they're uh, heading to school. They learn about Durmstrang. And uh, Hermione read that in a book called Appraisal of Magical Education in Europe. And uh, she mentions that all of the schools are hidden and bewitched against muggles. And so they might have, like, what, muggle-repelling charms like the stadium did. Maybe that's why we've never seen them. Yeah, they could be. You know, there could be a wizard school down the street. We'd have no (laughs) idea. Um, They made a few more friends, Seamus, Dean, Neville. Malfoy overhears them. And starts to ask uh, if they're going to enter, and they don't know what he's talking about. Enter what? Malfoy tells them that he's heard about it from his father weeks ago. What do you think he's talking about? What might they enter this year at school? 
the the um a big tournament. Yeah, we'll we'll hear more about that in just a minute. So obviously, yeah, I didn't want to say the name. Too. So there's a big thing going on at school, and uh, he makes fun of Ron. He says that your dad didn't even tell you about it. And he knew about it, so you're not cool. You you're know? not you're not supposed to know about it. And uh, so they get to Hogwarts, and we're at chapter twelve, the Triwizard Tournament, which is the thing that you were just referencing there. So when they get to that castle. Peeves is there welcoming everybody. What does Peeves do to welcome the students? Does he pour buckets of water on everybody? Yes, I believe they call them water bombs. Yeah. So, uh, thanks, Peeves. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot, Peeves. You're, like, the best guy in school. Do you think they have a dry-off spell? Uh, not that I know of. They never seem to use one, but it seems like all throughout these books there'd be, um... Sort of a, you know... clean Washing spell. Clean up this mess spell or a dry-off my... Cloak, maybe I got dunked in the river spell. They never do anything like that. What about Filch? What about him? You know, doesn't he usually clean up all the mess? I guess. I mean, actually, we're just about to learn uh, about who does a lot of the cleaning at Hogwarts. So uh, it's it's not all as magical as we thought, you know. Uh, there's a lot of hard work being done with, with actual hands. So uh, they head to the Great Hall. It's time for the, uh, you know, the feast. Colin Creevy's there, our very enthusiastic young Harry Potter fan. And who's he brought with him this year? What do you mean, who has he brought with him? He brought somebody with him this year. You don't remember? Nope. Man, it's been a while for you on this book, hasn't it? Yes. It's his brother, Dennis. Oh, that's right. And so they share similar characteristics. They're both very enthusiastic. Yeah, I thought um, you were... Talking about somebody else. I think Dennis is one of the ones that gets soaked by Peeves, and he just thinks it's great. Yes. So uh, he's he's impressed by all the bad things that are happening to him. So they uh, they do the Sorting Hat ceremony. Uh, the Sorting Hat sings its song. Do you remember the Sorting Hat song? No. I I think I actually had. I, I do remember Hoggy Hoggy Hogwarts. <laughs> it's not Hoggy Hoggy Hogwarts. <laughs> I know. He says. Uh, <laughs> He says, a thousand years or more ago, when I was newly sown, there lived four wizards of renown whose names still well no- whose names are still well known. Old Gryffindor from Wildmoor, Fair Ravenclaw from Glen, Sweet Hufflepuff from Valley Broad, Shrewd Slytherin from Finn. So that's his uh that's his song. And uh I guess that's the first time they mention that, you know, that he they don't actually Sing that song to us every year. Yeah, I really like Hoggy Hoggy Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> I personally do not. I I find the idea of a song sung in a thousand different <laughs> tunes at the same time to be... Annoying. Super annoying, and I also think the lyrics of that song are pretty terrible. I, I would think uh, a school of such age and, uh, and uh, you know, importance would have a better school song than that, but whatever. Like, what's funny? Dumbledore's a weirdo, you know. He likes yes. he likes whimsical, crazy stuff. Whatever. So, uh, so they do the uh, sorting hat ceremony, and uh, something uh, worth mentioning here that I think is is very neat. Uh, they mention the students that are sorted. One of the students is Natalie McDonald, and she's sorted into Gryffindor. And it turns out Natalie McDonald was a real little girl, and she had cancer. She was very sick. And she died before this book came out. 
and J.K. Rowling heard about her from her mom. Uh, and the, the sad thing was she was going to write her a letter, but she was on vacation in Spain. And by the time she got back from vacation to send the letter, the little girl was already dead. And so she became friends with her mom. And as a tribute, she put her into the book. So she's the only person in the entire book series who's a real person. Everyone else is made up. So I thought that was pretty cool, huh? Even though it's a little sad. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> so I never knew that, that a kid could get cancer. Yeah, anybody can. Anybody can sort of get any sickness. Um, and she had a, a certain type called leukemia that is more common in children than it is in adults. So really? Not common like a lot of people get it. But if someone's going to get it, it's usually a child and not an adult. So mm. it was a very sad story, but I think it had a kind of a silver lining to it because she did something very nice for her. Uh, so dinner starts. Nearly headless Nick tells them uh, that Peeves was making trouble, scaring all the house elves. And Hermione gets mad to learn that there's house elves working at Hogwarts. Why does she get mad? What do we know about house elves? They're slaves. They don't get... Um they don't get any money. They, they, they're like henchmen. Yeah, they're 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 not paid for their work. They work very hard. They're not paid for their work, and uh, obviously Hermione is upset because she knows what a house elf is, and she knows they don't get paid. And now she knows that the whole school is benefiting from slavery, basically, uh, and she's not down with that, right? Yes. This this begins Hermione's uh, sort of crusade to uh, seek justice for house elves. But everyone else doesn't seem to care. No, they really don't. And the other interesting thing to me is, uh, this is their fourth year at school, and the first time she knows there's house elves, which means... Yeah, that's what I was thinking. The only thing I can assume that means is that they work in secret, like away from everybody else. Like maybe they clean up at night... They cook the food in a different kitchen. The kids don't actually see where the food comes from. All, all we know and all the kids know is the food magically appears on the table. Yeah. But it turns out it's being prepared by house elves. So. Yeah, I thought maybe um, before I knew that the house elves made all the food, I thought that the food sort of just appeared. You didn't have to cook it. Have you read about the rules concerning magic and food yet? No. It's not really a spoiler, because I have no idea where it comes up. But later on, we learn that food has very particular magical rules. It can be moved with magic, but it cannot be prepared with magic. Hmm. And food can be made magical, like all these crazy candies that Fred and George make. Yeah, Wheezy's, Butter Wheezy's. But you do actually have to make it. So you have to, food is something that's still very much like the muggle world. Uh, and so they've got, they got, you know, hordes of house elves making all this food and then teleporting it uh, into the great hall for everyone's feast. Uh, Dumbledore has a few announcements and Filch mentions that there are some new forbidden items. Do you remember the forbidden items? No, I don't even know what items you're talking about. Screaming yo-yos, fanged frisbees, ever-bashing boomerangs. And uh, those sound like things that maybe Fred and George might have brought into school. Yeah. Those might be some Zonkos. Zonkos? Zonkos is the joke shop that you buy stuff from. Oh. 
He also mentions that the uh, Interhouse Quidditch Cup will not take place this year. What do you think uh, Harry and Ron think about that? They think it's terrible. Yeah, that's like their main thing. Yeah, because um, pretty, pretty much um, fi- um, 60% of their time is spent um, either practicing or doing Quidditch. Plus for Harry... Uh, I think Quidditch is a healthy distraction from how terrible his life is. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's not that his life is terrible. It's just always in danger. And so I think Quidditch gives him something normal to focus on. Um, like not normal as in normal, but... Normal for him. Yes. Right. Uh, so they mentioned that the reason we will not be having Quidditch is because of the... What? Triwizard Tournament. Triwizard Tournament. And now I've and I figured out why they call it the Tri the Triwizard Tournament. Why is that? There there um there three um schools. No. No. I was thinking maybe because there are three tasks. Mm, one two. I think it's because there are supposed to be three wizards from three schools. Oh. But maybe that's why there's three tasks, too. Is there only three? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, yeah, it's going to be the Tri-Wizard. Tri, that is hard to say. Yeah, I keep saying Twi. <laughs> the Twi-Wizard <laughs> Tournament. Uh, and, and we have two schools, two visiting schools. Who are they? We've already named one of them. Durmstrang and... Um... Bobeton. Bobatons. Bobatons. They're from France, and Durmstrang is from somewhere in Eastern Europe. Um, like Romania, maybe? Or yeah, Czechoslovakia or something like that? Czechoslovakia? <laughs> it's, it's a Eastern European country. So, so uh, they've been trying for centuries to reinstate this tournament with no success. And uh, the Department of International Magical Cooperation and the Department of Magical Games and Sports has decided time to do it. Who do we know that works at the Department of International Magical Cooperation? Um, Mr. Crouch, and by the way, hmm. they should make those titles of the offices way shorter. No, I think that's perfect. It's hard <laughs> to say. Who else do we know that works at the Department of International Magical Cooperation? <laughs> Mr. Weasley? No, he works at the Department of the Misuse of oh, Mutual yeah. Artifacts. Yeah. But it's one of his kids. Is it Percy? It's Percy. Percy is a, an assistant to Mr. Crouch. He's also kind of annoying a lot. He's super annoying. Nobody likes Percy. <laughs> He's Except for his girlfriend. Uh, I'm not even sure if she's still around at this point. Because something bad, something, something bad happened to her. What was it? She was just petrified. Yeah, oh, that's right. She was one of the petrified in, in book two. Yeah, that's but right. She's you think she's still around? Maybe. I don't know if he mentioned that Maybe. they're still dating. Mm. So anyway, to the best of your ability, please explain to me, what is a Tri-Wizard tournament? It's sort of like a... Like a, 
Um, it's a, a contest. A con- yes, yeah, thank you. Okay. Um, contest with, um, like it's a contest like you and me would do, except way harder. It's, um, there are three tasks, so that seems pretty easy, but all of them are really hard. Not just hard, seemingly life threatening. Yes. Just like everything else at Hogwarts. Yes, and the the surprising thing about about that to me is they're okay with that. <laughs> well, they're like they said they haven't been doing this for hundreds of years, so it seems like maybe the rules are also hundreds of years old, and maybe they haven't been updated yet for you know a, a modern world uh, where you don't want kids to die all the time. Yeah, maybe uh, they were the rules. Maybe the tasks were less dangerous when the Triwizard Tournament was invented. No, I think it's that they were just as dangerous. They just were less concerned if kids died. So they mentioned that the other schools will be arriving in October and that you will select your school champions, one from each school, at Halloween. But the disappointment to almost um, um, the um, all of... Um, all three schools mm-hmm. will be only um, se- um, children that are 17 and 18 can. And as we know, if you're 17 in the wizarding world, that makes you an adult. So it's basically just grown-ups only. They've decided, yes, these tasks are too hard for kids. No kids, grown-ups only. Yeah, that sounds Who Who is the most ex- upset about that? Fred and George. Yep, they both want to do it. They are or Gred and Forge. Gred and Forge. <laughs> Fred and George. Uh, they want to be. Uh, they're sort of reckless, you know. They want to. They're they're very yeah. action oriented. They keep trying to make age potions that will make him that that will make them older. What do you think their chances are of uh, coming up with a spell that would defeat even Dumbledore? Nothing. Yeah, probably pretty bad, considering he's like 150 years old, the most powerful wizard in the world, and they're. 16-year-old goobers that make uh, candy that makes you throw up and <laughs> Makes your firecrafts. turn happy. Yeah. So, uh, chapter 13, Mad-Eye Moody. Really, in my opinion, one of the most fascinating characters in uh, the whole book series here. First day of school begins. Harry and Ron have Herbology with Professor Who. Herbology? Who is? Who teaches plants? Professor Sprout? Yep, Professor Sprout. And uh, they... they, Yeah, it's kind of a coincidence that her last name is Sprout. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it was uh, perhaps a choice by the the author uh, to be sort of silly. But they encounter some new gross plants. Yes. Boobo tubers. Boobo tubers. What's the deal with boobo tubers? Are these the one you have to squeeze the pulp out of them? Not the pulp, the pus. Pulp, um, pus. Definitely. Yeah, they're giant black slug-like plants. You squeeze their pus. Yeah, yeah and the weird thing is, they don't. Uh, they always squirt out at, at the direction they are. So the thing is, you have to get the jar exactly where the pus is gonna. That's pretty be. gross. Yeah. Then they head over to uh, Hagrid's. They should at least have some gloves. Oh, that's right. This is where we learn uh, Hagrid is now a professor, right? Yes. He is Professor Hagrid. <laughs> now, my, my question that, again, is never answered anywhere in the books is, 
he was basically groundskeeper at, almost as a favor to Dumbledore because he was not allowed to use magic because of his seeming involvement in the, uh, you know, Chamber of Secrets or whatever. Uh, wait, does he become a professor in the third book or, or this book? Third. It's the third. Okay. That's right. Um, so, but anyway, they never explain again if he's allowed to use magic, but he's allowed to teach about creatures. I don't know. He doesn't, he never gets a wand. So I don't know if he's ever allowed to use magic. Well, it's sort of like his umbrella is his wand. Well, that was a secret. He had a wand hidden in his umbrella well, so that no one would know that sometimes he used magic even though he wasn't supposed to. Yeah, my question is, is there a wand, like, taped to his umbrella <laughs> or something? I think maybe he took a wand and had an umbrella made out of it because uh, it's a tiny umbrella. Well, yeah. It obviously would, like, only fit a poodle or something. Yeah, it's like a poodle umbrella for sure. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, so they go to uh, care of magical creatures with Hagrid. And Hagrid has more gross, disgusting stuff for them. He's got blast-ended scroots. Yeah. And uh, Dean gets his hand burned by one of them. Uh, yeah, but we all know we all know that. That's why they're called blast-ended. They blast you with their ends. It sounds like they, you know, they fart fire. So <laughs> uh, everything is attacking them in, in every possible way. And uh, then, once again, Hogwarts is banana pants. Yeah, banana pants, dangerous. So hoggy hoggy Hogwarts. Super, super bananas. <laughs> that would be a better song. <laughs> so that afternoon they have divination. With who? Who teaches the div- divination? Professor Trelawney. Yeah, big goofy Professor Trelawney who's terrible at her job. They learn about reading the stars and they make fun of the professor and they get a lot of homework because she's not too pleased with how the kids act. Yeah, but Hermione is pretty pleased with it. And then uh, Draco shows Ron another article from the Daily Prophet about his father written by Rita Skeeter. Rita Skeeter again. The worst person ever besides Voldemort. She got a lot of fans though. Um, Draco's provoking Ron, insulting his parents. Harry insults Draco's mother. Draco doesn't take too kindly to that and Draco tries to cast a spell on Harry, but who stops him? Um... Either Snape or Moody. It's Moody. Moody does something particularly nasty to Draco. What's he do to him? He turns him into a ferret. Turns him into a ferret! Yeah, the the one thing I don't understand, and they never mention it in this book, why would Mad-Eye Moody... um, I know he's a dark arts teacher in his banana pants, but... (laughs) (laughs) um, But... What my question is, why would he turn a student into a ferret if one you're not allowed to, and two, th- if you're a teacher, aren't you supposed to be the one who says no, you can't do magic on other kids? Well. The more we learn about Moody, the person, and the situation that Moody is currently in, uh, the more that will make sense. But uh, certainly somebody has a problem with it. Who comes out and stops them? Is it Snape? It's McGonagall. McGonagall. Unless I'm only remembering the movie. I knew it was one of them. I know in the movie she runs out and she says, Transfiguration is never to be used as punishment for children. Oh, yeah, that's McGonagall. Uh, Yeah. 
So, uh, obviously you're not supposed to turn children into ferrets as punishment. Yeah, no. But, uh, Moody seems to have no problem with it. And they, they should give, uh, they should, like, give them t- detention or something. Well, yeah, teacher detention, I don't know. It's like the, it's like his first couple of weeks or whatever. Maybe, maybe they think that because he's a new teacher, he should have a little bit of leeway. Also, I think maybe nobody really minds. Draco gets turned into a ferret. Yeah. Because nobody likes him. Except McGonagall. Well. She is. She likes the rules, but she also is she's smart like enough. Hermione. She's smart enough to know that Draco's a bad guy. Yeah, she's like Hermione. So our chapter, uh, let's see, is that it? That's pretty much it. Um, it also seems like everyone's kind of starting to like Professor Moody because he... Stands up for Harry, turns Draco into a ferret. Which everyone will like except um, the other Slytherin people. Yeah, Crab and Goyle probably not too impressed with that particular spell. So chapter 14, the unforgivable curses. Man, oh man. They're getting into some serious dark stuff here. Yeah, which they're not supposed to be teaching at all, ever. Really? No, I don't think so. I thought you could at least teach what they were, but maybe they can't. I don't know. I don't think they're supposed to. Well, Moody actually did them, so. So this is the first time that we're sort of in class with Moody, and we also find out again that Professor Snape is none too happy about not getting the job he has always wanted. Yes, he's always been Potions Master, which has given me the question, why don't they give Snape his dream job whenever... Um, whenever everybody knows he would be great at it. I have a theory about this, but... Well, first of all, he is great at potions. Oh, yeah. You'll learn more about Snape's history with potions in future books, but he is actually really, really good at potions. Uh, He would also be good at dark arts, but... Potions come first. We actually learned something in this book about why maybe Dumbledore doesn't want him... Next to dark arts all the time. Really? Yes. You're, are you anything. are you totally done with this book? What book four. Mean? Have you read the whole thing? Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get, we'll get into it. Uh, there might be you know good cause to keep Snake away from the dark arts. Snake. <laughs> what did I say? Snake. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and uh, you know the reason his name is Snape is because it sounds like snake, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they. Uh, and um. And and Slytherin too. Slytherin, yeah, yeah he yeah. he um sounds like Slither, in. Sounds like Slithering. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah what a snake does. That's what I. That's what I'm saying. Sure thing. So they go to their first defense against the dark arts. That's pro- that's probably that's probably um another joke that um J.K. Rowling Correct. tried to do. Lots of wordplay with the names. So they have yeah. their first defense against the dark arts class with Moody. Moody says, put away your books. Their book's called The Dark Forces, A Guide to Self-Protection. What's that? We won't need them. Yeah. We won't need them. Put away your books. (laughs) And uh, so obviously he is... uh, You are good at voices. He's going to take a hands-on approach to dark arts defense. And he teaches them illegal curses. That's what I'm saying. Do you know the three uh, unforgivable curses that he teaches them? I know the names, but I can't remember the names. <laughs> okay. Do you remember... Uh, it, 
I know you know two of them for sure. Is it a Cruciatus? There's a Cruciatus curse. Um. What's the worst one? Uh, a Vodakadavra. That's the killing curse. And what is the other one? Where you control someone's mind. Bewitch the senses and whatever he says. It's the Imperious Curse. Oh. So how does he demonstrate these three curses using a spider? What do you mean demonstrate them? He shows the kids the curses. Yeah. How does he do it? What does he do with the spider? On the first one, he he has three spiders, so he does one curse on each of them. Oh, okay. On the first spider, he does um he does the one where you control the somebody's mind. Yeah, the imperious curse. Yeah, so he, so he made them j- jump jump on everyone's head. It's silly. It's playtime. It's yeah. funny time. But then it gets serious. Yeah, um, yeah. Then he puts it over to a pot of boiling water. And he tries to make the spider drown itself. So he shows them right away that this can be used for fun and it can be used for innocent stuff. And then at the exact same time, you could tell somebody to jump in front of a train or something. Uh, This is one of the things that I'm glad they don't use it as much as they could in the books, because why wouldn't everyone that needed anything in their lives just use the Imperious Curse to get people to do what they want. It seemed like it would be so common that the world would be in chaos. Yes. So? So, it, and eventually, um, muggles would probably see wizard and magical stuff. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Look, if Voldemort wanted to take over the entire world... He would have done it they a thousand <laughs> years ago. Well, he wasn't alive a thousand years ago. Well, but, you know what I'm but saying. But they could have had every world leader, president, prime minister, and king under their control with little to no effort. So, when you introduce a power this great, you have to be very sparing in a story with how you use it. because Yes, otherwise all of the books would just be Voldemort the king. Yeah, so, you know, so so anyway, but he says, uh, you're not going to make him dance on your head. You're not going to make him jump around. But what if I make him drown himself, you know? So, uh... <laughs> yeah, first, first it's playtime, funny time, play with spider, and then it gets serious. What's, our, what's our second curse? Cruciatus. Cru- how, how does Crucius. he demonstrate that? That one is the torturing curse, right? Yeah, and he does something to the spider first before he does Crucio. Do you remember? No. He makes it much larger with an Engorgio charm. No, that doesn't happen in the movie. Not in the movie. It happens in the book. I don't remember that. Well, it does. It says he performs a Cruciatus curse on the spider, giving it unbearable pain with a Crucio after making it bigger with an engorgement charm, and I think that's so that the kids can see it better to show the effect, you know? How how would you show the effect? Well, if you had a tiny little spider that was in pain, maybe you wouldn't notice, but if it's like the size of a dog, you could see its face and see that it was in pain, I guess. Maybe you could see it twitching. Yeah, more. so he, he tortures it right in front of the kids, and they're all, they all get pretty upset. Especially Neville. 
Yeah, Neville does not like uh, violence and 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 meanness, and especially because uh, I'm sure we'll find this out here in, in mere moments. But Neville's parents were tortured by the Cruciatus Curse. Were they? Yes, and so he has a a particular uh, you know pro- yeah that. particular problem with that curse. And then finally, he demonstrates the last curse. You said it before. What's it called again? The Cruciatus? No, the Killing Curse. The final curse. I know. I'm trying to remember its name. You just said it like a minute ago. I know. Is it Avocado Credenza? <laughs> what is it? Some, it sounds like you're trying to make it Avocado appear. It's Avada Kedavra. Avada Kedavra. And he uses it on the spider, kills it. Just like that, which means every wizard, like snap. every wizard that has a wand, is basically carrying a gun that yes. instantly kills people. So that's also another thing, including that, Harry. Yeah, I mean the whole world—it's uh, just crazy. I can't imagine them all having that much power. And they're the three unforgivable curses. And so after class is when Neville uh, explains to the kids the reason he's so upset is because both of his parents were tortured until they were insane. By the Cruciatus Curse. Is that why he had to live with his grandma? Correct. So uh, Harry and Ron go back to their dorm to do their divination homework. Because they got a ton of it. And uh, they find Neville. And he's he's been crying, obviously. And Moody gave him a book called Magical Mediterranean Water Plants and Their Properties. Uh, to make him feel better. How would that help? Because he likes plants. He's a oh. herbology nut. So... He's, uh, you know, got something to take his mind off of it, I suppose. Yeah, sort of like Carrie with Quidditch. Right, exactly. Everyone's got to have their escape when bad stuff happens. So, like, like Hermione was studying. And, you know, for a lot of people, including you and me, it could be reading these books. So uh, that's kind of, uh, you know, kind of ironic that uh, for a lot of people, reading about Harry and his adventures is an escape. Don't you think? Yeah. So, um, Hermione comes in, she's mad, she's, she's mad about house elves. She wants everyone to join her new society. Do you remember what it's called? No. It's so long I can't remember <laughs> I it. It's called Spew, the Society for the Promotion of Elvish Welfare. Elvish? Sounds like Elvis. Elvis Welfare. <laughs> the Society for the Promotion of Elvis Welfare. <laughs> Actually, Elvis was already was already dead when they when these books happened. So they don't they don't need to promote his welfare <laughs> to stop the enslavement of house elves. That's her point. And uh, you know, are they are they enthusiastic about this? Do they kind of not care? Sort of not care. Yeah, they're like, all right, Hermione, we'll do it. You yeah, know, whatever. Like, whatever, we don't care. We'll just do it. We don't care. Hedwig flies in at that point, and she's got a letter. Who's it from? Is it from Sirius? It is from Sirius. And what does he have to say? He says he's coming to see him. He's on his way. Oh, yeah. So that takes us to chapter 15, Bobatons and Durmstrang. Bobatons. Bobaton. <laughs> Bobaton. Bobaton. Yeah, that's how they would say it. <laughs> French, maybe, or I'm butchering that pronunciation. But we say Bobatons. That's how the English in this 
Booker saying it is Bobatons. So although Bobaton is also easier to say. <laughs> Bobaton <laughs> sounds like Hobbiton. It's even different, even more different. Who's Hobbiton? No, it's another book you haven't read. So Bobaton and Durmstrang. <laughs> um, the kids are worried about Sirius showing up and getting caught. Harry writes him back to say, hey, everything's fine. You don't need to come. Leave me alone. Which, it shows a lot of concern for Sirius, because do you think Harry might actually want to see him? Yes. Might be, you know, it's been a long time. He'd like to see him. Maybe get a hug. Feel like he's got some family, you know? Yeah. It le- yeah, he, actually, Sirius sort of is his, um, part of his family, because he's his godfather. Exactly. So... He tells him not to come, which uh, he's like, all right, well, I guess I won't come then. Uh, In Defense Against the Dark Arts, Professor Moody has them practice the Imperious Curse, which they're not even supposed to know about, much less be, you know, doing. Yeah, yeah, doesn't, isn't Dumbledore supposed to know about that? Um, you know. He's supposed to, but he doesn't. I guess no one's told on him yet. You would think, honestly, this would be the kind of thing that Malfoy would probably tell on. But he likes this kind of stuff, so he doesn't really care, you know? He he probably wants to learn the dark arts, so... Yeah. Moody does an Imperial on Harry. Do you remember what happens? No. Harry is somewhat able to resist it, which is unusual for a child his age. I, um, I, I remember that I read in the book, it said that it felt like, um... It felt like he was just floating on some fluffy clouds that sort of took all of the um, his thoughts away. Yeah, exactly. You, you you go into a happy place and your body does whatever the uh, the imperious person, you know, wants yeah. you to do. So that's uh, bad times. <laughs> you know, it's definitely a. You could just say, "Give me all your money." Uh, Go jump in a river. You could say, get a knife and kill yourself. Yeah, it's dangerous weapon there. So, uh... Like you said, it's like everyone carrying a wand has a gun. And, and not just a gun, but like sort of a gun that instantly kills you. So yes. it's, it's worse. It's like they have a, uh, uh, you know, a stick that shoots lightning bolts or something. Yeah. Which I'm sure they could also probably do with their wands if they wanted to. So. Yes. Obviously. So they're going back to class, and uh, in the Great Hall, they see a uh, announcement regarding the twi- tri- twi- <laughs> the Twi-Wizard <laughs> Tournament. To the bit. <laughs> Tri-Wizard Tournament. The delegations from Bobatons and Durmstring are arriving on uh, the day before Halloween. Bobatons. Bobatons. And they will uh, have a big welcoming feast. Bobatons. Harry hears that Cedric Diggory... Who we met at the Quidditch World Cup will be entering. And uh, at this point, do you think Harry has any interest um, in participating? He might. I, I I get the impression that his adventurous side probably thinks it's cool. But his sort of just let things pass side is sort of I don't care. And maybe even more... Um, my life's always in danger anyway, so I don't need all this extra nonsense. Danger. Yeah. Like, it'll be danger on top of danger. I think he's looking forward to cheering on, you know, the the Hogwarts candidate. 
I'm sure he, he's glad he has nothing to do with it. Uh, so during the following week, everything uh, is sort of going uh, for preparation for the arrival of the, the other two schools. Everything's kind of tense um, because this year is going to be very different. These kids aren't going to be just showing up and, and playing sports. They're going to be going to school there, basically, and uh, sort of living there all year. Actually, um, they they live in the things that they come in. Right, but they're sort of around all the time. They're, oh, yeah. you know, they they stay with their kids, but they and their and their teachers, but but uh it's certainly, you know, Wait, it's going to How are they around so much? Well, they're, you know, they're staying on the grounds, so I'm sure they probably eat their meals at Hogwarts oh. or something. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they don't have a kitchen and a boat. They might, you know, I don't know. It's, it seems like it's a big boat. Anyway, speaking of boats, uh, Hermione tells uh, tells him that the heads of the three schools will be among the judges. Uh, so the headmasters of each school, which includes Dumbledore. And she's still mad about the house elves. She keeps pushing this, guys, we got to save the house elves. Come on. Oh, my gosh, Hermione, just get over it. Well, should she get over it or should they listen to her and stop... Profiting from the slavery of intelligent creatures. She's right. Everyone should, you know, and I don't know if they've mentioned it yet, but uh, Dumbledore insists on paying the house elves, but they they insist on taking as little as possible. It's like one nut a day or something like that. Yeah, they're, they're like, we don't mo- we don't want any money at all. We like being slaves. So they're brainwashed basically by their by their circumstances and their condition, uh, which is unfortunate for them. They're, no one's fighting for them and they're not fighting for themselves. So Well, her mind's fighting for them. She wants to, but no one's listening to her. So uh, the students meet at the Great Entrance Hall uh, to welcome Durmstrang and Bo Battens. And uh, Bo Battens arrive in a carriage. What is special about this carriage? It, it's sort of bigger on the inside. Well, it's huge, and I think it's also bigger on the inside, but it's also flying, isn't it? Yes, it's it, um, Pegasi flying it, I think. Exactly, so it's a, it's a Pegasi-drawn carriage instead of a horse-drawn carriage. Uh, and their headmistress, Madame Maxine. Madame Maxine. No. <laughs> I know. I'm being funny. No. That's too crazy. <laughs> Uh, and then something rises out of the lake. What is it? It's the giant boat I was just talking about. Yeah, the Durmstring uh, students arrive on a boat that apparently travels like a submarine. Yes. Underwater. But it comes out with sails and everything, so... Yeah, I would think um, maybe some fish might have jumped off the sails or something. And, uh, yeah, exactly, come on. And then uh, <laughs> their headmaster, uh, Professor Kakarov... Kakarov. No. <laughs> I'm being funny. Kakarov. We've got Madame Maxine. We've got Professor Kakarov. We've got Albus Dumbledore. They've all got great names. Kakarov. Yep. So chapter 16, The Goblet of Fire. They have a welcoming dinner for the Durmstrings and the Bobatons. <laughs> and uh, during the dinner party, uh, the... Uh, Let's see. Oh, yeah. Ludo Bagman and Mr. Crouch enter. Uh, these are the guys that we met at the, uh, you know, thing, Quidditch thing. Yeah. The big Quidditch time. Yeah. 
And uh, Dumbledore stands up to announce after dinner that the start of the Triwizard Tournament, uh, or that it is the start of the Triwizard Tournament, and uh, Bagman and Crouch helped organize it. They'll join himself and Kakarov and Madame Maxine in the judging. Madame Maxine greets Dumbledore by saying, Dumbledore. <laughs> Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Some, I, some, I hope you find yourself well. It, it, sounds, it sounds like she's saying Dumbledore. She is saying Dumbledore. Oh. She's specifically saying Dumbledore. Oh. What is, that's one thing we should mention. What is interesting about Madame Maxine's appearance? She's, um, she's a giant like Hagrid. Yeah, she's, well, Hagrid's half-giant. Well, yeah. And giant giants are like 30 feet tall. Well, yeah. So maybe she's half-giant, but she's big. She is like, I think it says she's like 10 or 11 feet tall. Later in the book, she's, um, she's, she doesn't want to mention that she's a giant, so she says, I have I have big bones. That's right. We'll, we'll get to that. We don't want to skip ahead. But I know, I'm just actually, kidding. in the movie, she's taller than Hagrid. I don't know if she's taller than Hagrid in the books. But yeah, she's a big old lady. And uh, so anyway, that's, that's something, to, something to know about her. Um, so uh, where were we? I got lost talking about that. <laughs> Chapter 16, The Goblet of Fire. Welcoming dinner. Blah, blah, blah. A big old box is brought in. Uh, and Dumbledore talks about the Goblet of Fire, which will select the champions. He says, the champions will be chosen by an impartial selector, the Goblet of Fire. And so they pop out this Goblet of Fire, big big cup that's uh, sort of got flame spewing out of it, right? Yes. And uh, the students have 24 hours to put their names in on a piece of paper. And uh, then he mentions it's only for um, kids 17 and older. And what have they done to ensure that that will not be a problem? There's an age line around the cup. And who made it? Um, what? Oh, wait, what do you mean? Dumbledore made it. Oh, yeah. So the spell that's protecting or keeping out younger kids was made by Dumbledore. So again, thinking back to Fred and George, come on. I don't think your aging potion's going to work so well. Yeah, dude, you're, you're only 16 nuttos. Come on. Yeah. So, uh, Durmstrang students go back to their ship. Kakaroff offers Crumb. That's right, Victor Crumb. I always thought his name was Karkaroff. Karkaroff, you're right. Yeah, Karkaroff. I'm leaving out an R when I say it. Uh, so anyway, they, uh, he offers Crumb some wine, but he declines. Victor Crumb, again, is our, our, uh, Sort of our Romanian champion of uh, Quidditch. Uh, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. It was Ireland versus Romania. Yeah. So they're from Romania. That's right. Okay. So, uh, bop, bop, bop. Crumb notices Harry's scar, and it kind of stops him in his tracks. And uh, then sort of everybody from Durmstrang notices it. And they're kind of paying attention to him like they've seen a ghost or something, you know? Yeah. I think that's when they realize that Harry is who he is. And everyone in the world knows who Harry is. But just in that moment, Moody comes in, sort of stops things. Fred and George and Lee Jordan uh, say they've taken an aging potion. And Fred tries to put his name in the goblet of fire, stepping over the age line. And then George does the same thing. What happens to those guys? 
it worked for a few seconds, but then they get plummeted out because mm-hmm. of the age line. <coughs> and then they um, start growing huge, long, white beards. Yeah, it backfires on them. Instead of making them a year older, it makes them like 40 years older, right? Yeah. I think maybe Dumbledore anticipated that somebody might try that. Yeah. And he built in a specific, you know... Spell that would make him look yeah. 6,500. <laughs> so they send him on to Madame Pomfrey in the hospital wing, and she's already got a raven claw and a Hufflepuff in there for doing the same thing. Oh, my God. Morons, right? Yes. <laughs> So uh, Dean and Seamus are discussing who had already entered their name. There, There's rumors about uh, who did maybe Cedric Diggory and some Slytherin people, maybe Angelina Johnson, uh, which we should know from Quidditch by now. And then the Beaubaton girls Beaubaton. enter. In the movie, they're all girls. In the book, they're boys and girls. Beaubaton. So uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione visit Hagrid. He's all dressed up. He's combed his hair. Which makes makes his hair look sort of weird. Makes his whole body look weird. Yeah. Um. So maybe he's trying to uh, impress somebody. Yeah. Um. He tells him that the blast-ended scroots are nearly three feet long, and they've started killing each other. <laughs> they sound like lovely animals. <laughs> yeah. They. Yes. They sound like a lovely pet to have at your house. Maybe we'll get one of those. So. Uh, <laughs> Hermione tries to get Hagrid to join yeah, Spew. But uh, Hagrid doesn't want to, and he says uh, it's because the house elves are happy. And being the, you know, care of magical creatures guy, he thinks he understands them, right? Yes. Uh, Which that's pretty, you think that's kind of uh, defeating for Hermione? Maybe she was really hoping he'd be a, a supporter of her cause. Yeah. So they have their big Halloween feast. And the goblet shoots out pieces of paper with the champions. Victor Crumb from Durmstrang. Fleur Delacour from Beaubaton. 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 Beaubatons. Cedric Diggory from Hogwarts. We have all three of our champions at the end. Right? No. No. What happens? The uh, After everybody thinks that... Um, that... All, all of the people have been chosen... The Goblet of Fire turns red again. It says, automatically, it seems, Dumbledore reached out a long hand and seized the parchment. He held it out and stared at the name written upon it. There was a long pause, and then Dumbledore cleared his throat and read out, Harry Potter! Potter! Yeah. (laughs) So, uh... Probably spread out across the whole United States when he said that. Yeah, so he thinks, he, he, he definitely seems to think that, uh, Harry is the one responsible, right? Yes. Maybe he he somehow did something uh, he is, that he wasn't supposed to do. He is, like, one of the most powerful kids at that school. He is, but he doesn't know that. He doesn't... He's not really in control of his power. He has great natural talent, but because he doesn't immerse himself in, like, getting more powerful, it doesn't really show that often, you know? Mm. Um. I mean, like, like we've said before, he's just kind of an average student, and he's not, uh, I don't know, he's not practicing a lot, you know? He's, he's practices Quidditch, but he doesn't practice getting more powerful at his spells and stuff, you know? Yeah. So anyway, obviously, uh, this is a problem. Chapter 17, The Four Champions. Professor McGonagall sends Harry to the next room, uh, next door, after his name is popped out of the goblet, Crumb, Flor Delacour, Cedric Diggory, they're already in there. 
Ludo Bagman comes in and uh, he tells the three champions that Harry is the fourth champion. Then everybody shows up. Snape, Dumbledore, Mr. Crouch, Karkaroff, Madame Maxine. And uh, they're all they're all upset about this. Right. No, nobody thinks this is a cool thing that has happened here. Yeah. Not even Harry. Dumbledore confronts Harry. What does he ask him? Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire in sort of a torture-ish way? <laughs> like like, like inter- he, interrogation is what you're yeah, trying to, yeah. He, he, he's like backing him into the corner and, and not yelling, but saying in a very stern voice to him that he's mad, basically. Yeah, he asked him if he did it or did he get someone else to do it? You know, what's the deal? What'd you do? He didn't know anything about it. Moody shows up and explains that Harry has to compete now. That he's bound by a magical contract with the goblet. Oh, and nobody said that now. Why? It's going to be a spoiler. You're right. Uh, but uh, Moody presumes some powerful wizard, someone, I don't know who, used a confundus charm to make the goblet forget only three champions may compete. And uh, using Harry's name under a fourth school, which uh, might have been even a plan to have Harry killed. Dumbledore explains all four have to complete, compete, complete, complete the compete, <laughs> uh, the, the, all four that the goblet's chosen. And this is, again, as as we explain every time uh, where the adults completely fail to protect the children and they don't just call off the tournament or say, you know what, this is screwed N- up. Nuts, we can't let Harry play. Yeah. And, and he says it's a magical contract. Now, we learn later that there are magical contracts that if you agree to something and you break it, you die. So this might be something that serious. If Harry says, I'm not doing it, and the tournament starts, might kill him. So maybe he has to do it. They don't mention that. But if it's a magical contract that you can't break, then uh, I don't know. You know, he might be forced do, to. Do you just die like that, or do they have to come and kill you? No, you would just die. They're, oh, sort of sort of like the curse. Yeah, there's there's a there's a enchantment called the Unbreakable Unbreakable bond, I believe, or something like that, which basically uh, says, like, if you if you uh, say you're going to do something and don't do it or if you lie about it, you die. And this might be something like that. It's a magical contract. So I don't know. Still seems like they should do whatever they can in their power to, you know, release Harry from this uh, problem. But again, we wouldn't have a book if they did. So, yeah. So. Basically, all the pro- I just realized something. Basically, all the problems in the book are what make up the book. Exactly. Yes. The the action and drama and suspense and tension all come from the problem. They're all based on problems. If it was just Harry's wonderful year at Hogwarts, it would be a pretty boring book, right? Yeah. It was. It would be just like, oh, Snape ended up to be nice for the rest of um, for the rest of. Um, for the rest right. of Hogwarts history. Yeah. Um, Had a good day in class today. I made some potions, practiced some Quidditch. Um, we Good dinner, went to bed. We, um, <laughs> <laughs> next, um, we, we won the, um, we won the Quidditch, we won the Quidditch. Cup. Uh, the Quidditch Cup, um, every single year. Yeah, it's all great. We won every game. What a wonderful time we're having. Um, the, it, it'd the, be one book and it would be two chapters long. Yeah, so. the the Dursleys, um, the Dursleys love me now. They give me food. They give me lots okay, of toys. Okay, okay, okay. So, uh, 
so yeah, so you're right though. The uh, the conflict is what creates these stories. These are stories of conflict and overcoming conflict. So so anyway, uh, the four champions are told that their first task will test their daring, and the teachers leave, and the four students are sent to their dormitories. On his way back, Harry wonders who put his name in the goblet, and the fat lady has already heard about what happened uh, when he gets there, so word has traveled quickly, right? Yes. He's not going to be able to keep this under his hat. He walks into the Gryffindor's celebration, and everybody wants to know, how'd you do it, Harry? How'd you do it? They think he's a hero, right? Yes. What does he say? Especially Fred George and Lee Jordan. Yeah, So, what, but what does Harry say about all that? He says, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't know how it happened. He doesn't want to take credit for it. He goes upstairs and he sees Ron. Uh, what kind of mood is Ron in? He's very, very mad. Yeah, he's mad at Harry. Why? Because I bet, I'm bet i betting he really wanted to be in the tournament too. And he's mad that um, that his best friend figured out a way to be in the tournament and he didn't tell him about it, so he might be picked too. And I think it's even less about Ron wanting to do it and more about Ron being upset that he thinks Harry had this great plan that he did not include him in. Um, I think Ron just wanted to be involved in Harry's plot, you know, that he assumes took place. He's uh, he's sort of like Fred and George, just not as mischievous. He's... Um, he also he wants to learn every plot everybody has, sort of. He just wants to be involved. He likes his friends. He doesn't want to be left out in the, you know, left out in the cold. Sort of what I'm talking about. So chapter 18, the weighing of the wands. Uh, this is the day after the champions are selected. Ron's still mad at Harry. Hermione thinks it's obvious that Harry, you know, didn't put his name in the goblet. And Hermione explains that Ron's just jealous that Harry was already famous, and now he's more famous, right? Yes. Um, bringing up, you know, Ron's old characteristics that have been with him since the beginning of being the the forgotten child, the middle child, the one that gets no attention. So now he kind of feels like that way from Harry. Is it Harry's fault? No. No, of course not. He has no idea what's happening to him. Because he didn't know how we got picked, um, but Ron still thinks he's lying. Right. So Hermione makes Harry write a letter to Sirius, letting him know what's happened, maybe ask him for some advice. What do I do, you know? And uh, everybody, uh, especially the Hufflepuffs, start to get mad at Harry uh, because they think he's, he's stolen their champion's glory. I guess I never realized... Wait a second. Is, uh... What's his name? The other Gryffindor. Uh, Colin Creevy? No, the other champion. I'm blanking on his name. There was no other champion than Gryffindor. The other the other Hogwarts champion. Oh, Cedric. Diggory. Cedric. He's a Hufflepuff? Yeah. I thought he was a Gryffindor all this time. No. Okay. He doesn't seem like a Hufflepuff, does he? No. He seems like a Gryffindor. Yeah. So or, anyway. Or at least a Ravenclaw. So Ernie McMillan, Justin Finch-Fletchley... These are sort of ancillary friends of Harry's. They won't even talk to him. I thought he was Fletchy. No, Fletchley. Justin oh. Finch Fletchley. I never saw the L. It's there. So uh, they won't even talk to him in herbology class. Everybody's mad at him. Draco gives Harry a hard time. 
uh, like during ha- like harder than usual. <laughs> yeah, during uh, Hagrid's class. But uh, Hagrid knows Harry didn't do it, right? Yeah. I think he knows that Harry doesn't need any more problems. He wouldn't go looking for him. And uh, during potions, the Slytherins are all wearing badges. What do they say? Potter stinks. Yep, they're all supporting Cedric. Yeah, so there are these buttons or strings on them that if you pull them or push them, Mm -hmm. whichever they are, um, you can change it to Potter stinks or to um, to um, support Cedric degree. Now, at this point, they kind of get in a fight, and Malfoy calls Hermione a mudblood again. They get in a wizard fight, start throwing spells at each other, and a couple of people get hit. Do you remember who? No, it was like half the class. Goyle gets hit, and he gets uh, these sores all over his face. I thought, I thought that was, um, I thought that was somebody who, um, I thought that was somebody who pulled off one of Fred George's fireworks. No. That's during this fight here. And then uh, Hermione gets hit, and her front teeth grow giant like rabbit teeth. I thought that happened in the hole. It it happens here. So uh, Snape arrives, and he punishes Harry and Ron. And uh, Snape teaches them the antidotes. I mean, it might have been the hole before class. I don't know. But they're going to potions. They're in potions, whatever. So uh, Snape teaches them the antidotes to their problems, you know? Yeah. And... uh, that seems a little out of character for Snape to help them solve this problem that they've obviously caused instead of just putting him in detention. Yeah, but he can just leave him like that. Yeah, it's just it's showing a different side of him than we're used to seeing, maybe. So then Colin Creevy shows up and takes Harry away. Do you remember why? Because Rita Skeeter wants to talk to him. Yeah, he's got to be photographed for the Daily Prophet, and she's the... Uh, She's the one, you know, she's the one that comes in. Yeah. And so this is another thing where it's like fame is being thrust onto Harry. He is not really interested in it, right? Yeah. So Crumb, Floor, Cedric, they're all waiting. Ludo Bagman's there. And uh, he tells Harry that this is the wand weighing, which is kind of like a weigh-in at a uh, boxing match where they uh, weigh all the uh, contenders to make sure they're in the same class of weight that they'll weigh the right amount to be fighting each other because you can't have one really big guy and one really small guy fighting like like someone super skinny and someone like very very muscular yeah so i guess this is kind of where that comes from uh and rita's there to take pictures and write an article for the daily prophet and she wants to have a private word with harry and they go into a tiny broom closet do you remember the device that she uses to get all her quotes um, a quill that writes when you don't have your hand on it. Right, a quick quote quill. Quick quote quill. That's hard. Very to hard say. to say. <laughs> another another thing that's very hard to say. In say this that months. five times fast. Quick quote quill. Quick quote quill. Nope, can't even do it twice. <laughs> so, uh, she has very nasty questions for Harry. She's kind of harassing him. Like personal questions. Yeah, like uh, stuff about his parents and stuff about. That, well, he, do- that he doesn't want the world to know. Yeah, ever. or that she doesn't have any business asking him anyway. Um, Harry's, you know, one of his burdens is that the entire world knows the worst thing that ever happened to him. And so he can't keep that a secret, if even if he wanted to. Dumbledore comes in and interrupts them. 
And uh, she asked Dumbledore if he saw her article about the International Confederations of Wizards Conference. And Dumbledore says, obviously, he did not like it because it had bad comments about him. So she's like even telling people that she's written bad stuff about, like, oh, did you read my article? Did you like it? <laughs> you know? Yeah, but it's about you, or it said bad stuff about you. <laughs> yeah, so she she doesn't seem to... I think she's just happy with any attention she can get, positive or negative. She wants as much attention as possible. And uh, the wand wing starts... Hey, just like our cats. Exactly like our cats. <laughs> so the wand wing starts. Uh, Karkaroff, Madame Maxine, Mr. Crouch, they're there. Dumbledore and Bagman are there in the judges' uh, sort of table or whatever. Mr. Ollivander is back. He's our wand expert, and he's weighing the wands. Uh, they check Floor's wand first. It contains hair of Vila. Hair of Vila? That is a core that we have not talked about. A Vila is a, uh, like a f- lady demon. I know what a Vila is. I've, um, I just don't know what they look like. Uh, well, in the movies, they can be very pretty and then very ugly all at once. So it's, it's, they're like, they transform. I don't know what they're supposed to look like in mythology, but, uh, she's got a Vila hair core, which I didn't know, you know, existed, existed. Yeah. was an option. Ron thought that, um, I think Ron thought that maybe, um, Floor was a Vila. Hmm. Yeah, because they're supposed to be very, very beautiful. They can, they can enchant and, and bewitch men. And that, and that's... Sort of what they did every um, when she pa- when all the girls passed by from mm-hmm. Bobatons. Bobaton. Bobaton. <laughs> um, when all the girls from Bobaton um came and walked walked down the hall at a feast or something, um, all the boys were staring at them. Yeah, they were very impressed by how pretty they thought the girls were, especially Ron. And so uh, they check Floor's wand. They check uh, Crumb's wand. Crumb's wand has unicorn hair. No, that's Cedric's wand. Cedric's wand has unicorn hair. Crumb's, they mentioned, was made by the wand maker Grigorovich. You probably don't know anything about him yet, do you? Nope. We'll learn more about him later. Never even knew he existed. Grigorovich. And uh, it contained Dragonheart string. And then uh, they, tick- they check Harry's wand. Obviously, we know what's at the core of Harry's wand, right? Nope. Yes, you do. I do not. It's Phoenix Feather. Oh. Okay. The same as Voldemort's. And then they take their photographs, sort of begrudgingly. Harry's not into it. Harry goes to dinner. Ron tells him he's got an owl from Sirius. And uh, where is he supposed to meet Sirius? Do you remember? He's supposed to meet him at the Gryffindor common room. Oh, and now I know why. Um, I think I know why um, Flora's wand um, has a Vila hair thing. Why? Because she's probably a Vila. Do you think she's really a demon? I think she's like a, a magical creature. I'm pretty sure she's just a person. Mm. <laughs> she enchanted all the guys. You know, that's not a terrible theory. I mean, I guess I'd have to look up Vila's and find out if they can take total human form or not. But that's it for this episode. Uh, when we come back, it's going to be chapter 19 the Hungarian Horntail. What sort of thing is a Hungarian Horntail? It's a type of dragon. Dragons! That means things are definitely escalating for Harry. Yes. Things are getting worse if there's dragons involved. I can't imagine uh, a good circumstance you with can't. dragons, right? Nope. 
Unless it was like a, a friendly dragon. We yeah. Haven't, we haven't met one of those Which yet. Which is sort of impossible. In this world, we've met no friendly dragons. We've never heard of friendly dragons, so it's probably going to be a bad time. Except for Sword of Norbert? Well, no, because Hagrid likes things that are terrifying and murderous, but it doesn't mean they're not terrifying and murderous. Uh, had they kept Norbert, I'm sure it would have burned down Hogwarts. So <laughs> I guess you're right. So yeah, Harry is uh, out of the frying pan and into the fire. The dragon fire, that is. <laughs> Meh. <laughs> so <laughs> when we come back, that's where we will be. Uh, thanks for listening. If you have a question for myself or Lily or a comment, uh, feel free to leave a comment on the post of, of our website, uh, podcast.hijinksandsue.com. You can click on Potter and Daughter and see all the relevant episode links with uh, some information about each episode. If you want to send us an email, it's podcast at hijinksandsue.com. And if you want to support us, please feel free to check out patreon.com slash hijinksandsue. Sign up for as little as a dollar a month, and you will get every episode a week before everyone else. And uh, also help us continue to make more episodes and, and keep them free and fun for everybody. For Potter and Daughter, my name is Joel Watson. And I'm Lily Watson. And what do you think? Good episode? Yeah. Maybe the greatest episode. Yeah. <laughs> this is so awesome.